Hey everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome again to the Mike Van Meter Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything having to do with conservatism, patriotism, the Constitution, and frankly, just the way that you ought to live your life, the way that I look at it. And today, I want to introduce you to a guest, and our guest is Ann Tatis, and she's from Chesterfield, Virginia. And I met Ann over at the kickoff rally for my friend uh, Mike Allers, who's running for the 28th District here in the Virginia State Senate. And uh, Mike has a primary that's coming up in March. He has uh, one opponent in the Republican primary, and then he'll go on into the election in November, like myself. And and I'm running for the 33rd district in the Virginia State Senate. And there were a lot of people that were there and met some great folks and, and met some other candidates. But I met Ann. And Ann got up and gave a presentation about what uh, her issue is for Virginia, and that is education. And those of you that know Mike know that uh, he's been in the education business for quite a long time and a former police officer. And education is big, big, big. It's a big issue nationwide, but we're talking about Virginia here. And Virginia has really fallen behind the nation, and certainly from where it was as a state from years ago, uh, as far as education is concerned, and there's a lot of reasons uh, for this. And I know in my own campaign, this is a central part of my platform, along with addiction and uh, crime and, and helping our law enforcement. But education is vital here in Virginia. And Anne is going to talk to us about, you know, what the problem is, uh, really where we were, where we are right now, and most importantly, what can we do about it? Because that's one of the things that I want you as we drive towards this election is think, okay, the candidates that are out there, they're telling you what the problems are, and most of us, it's, it's kind of painfully obvious what the problems are right now, but more importantly, what can we do? What can we do to make things better? And I can tell you my own opponents that I'm running against right now, I don't hear a lot of that. I hear a lot of complaining, but I don't hear a lot of leading, and that's what it's going to come down to. And so, again, Ann Tatis, and she is the founder of Virginians for Children First, and she's also known as Virginia's Warrior Mom. And again, she's out of Chesterfield, Virginia, and met her out there, asked her to come on the show, and she was kind enough to to uh, agree to come on the show, and here she is today. So, Ann, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And, you know, I can tell you're very energetic about this topic. So, if you could maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and why did you get into this? Why is this such a passion for you? Uh, well, you know, COVID came and there were tons of parents that had those moments during COVID watching, you know, their children on these, you know, computers and what they were learning. And, you know, believe it or not, that wasn't part of my story. I had a two-year-old and a really self-sufficient fourth grader. So I was not really part of what she was learning. So, I, you know, I sent her back to school. And in August of last year in Chesterfield, on August 10th, I went to my first school board meeting. And they voted on the transgender model policy and, and masking in the same meeting. And in under four hours with comments, they voted to pass both in under four minutes. And as a researcher and a journalist, it, it didn't make sense to me, just logically. And so I, I decided to start pulling the thread. And here, here I am, you know, a year and a half later, and it's never stopped unraveling. And so I started looking nationally and that's where i got a lot of the information um that and then looking for it in virginia's education and what emerged just i mean it, it blew my mind um so we decided um bobby ebereth is my co-founder and that we had to start our own nonprofit because the bigger ones across the state we're not talking about the root issues outside of crt or you know the the blatant um obscenity in the libraries or you know transgender um you know a lot of the big you know the the issues in education you know the, they're absolutely getting rid of academics um and neither party is talking about it which me as somebody who thinks you know common sense is that there's a really big problem when neither party has a really big problem with the fact that you know virginia is 50th in the nation and a lot of people, you know, it's hard. They don't understand that. Um, and we can talk more about that. But yeah, is that it, this kind of became my passion because I started going through what my my sixth grader was coming home with. 
which you have to do by going literally like getting an app and going into their curriculum. And it absolutely appalled me what I found. And then it just became extremely obvious to me that for the safety of my children, not just physically being girls, uh, but they're mentally what they were being exposed to um, that I had to get them out. But unlike a lot of parents who pull their kids out and then just disappear, I know that I can keep my kids safe for 18 years, possibly. But this is going to be the future of our country and who, what kind of nation or world am I going to leave to my children and my grandchildren? And that's really like my passion is that I'm not going to just think that I'm going to leave this for my kids to figure out, you know, is that um, so it's really become what I do all day. Um, and I mean, it is, it's like, it was my calling and I feel that every day. Yeah. And I didn't, but did you say 50th Virginia is 50th in yeah. the, in the States? That's yeah, stunning to hear. It is, it, it is, but, um, the governor, I, I went to probably 16 rallies that he said, like that he said that it like, <laughs> I have the recordings, um, and I think that people were just so like, I don't know, I didn't catch it while, you know, while I was campaigning for him, I didn't catch it. Uh, th- but I went back and I watched my recordings and I actually did on our YouTube channel, a recap of them throughout the campaigning and telling, showing them that, yes, he said that, but so in May, I don't know if you remember the honesty gap, the report that came out, um, him and Amy Gadara came out with. It was called Our Commitment to Virginia, but a lot of people started calling it like the Honesty Gap Report. And so we are 50th, but so I had a, at the last Board of Education meeting, I had a VEA, the, you know, quote unquote, you know, union teacher pull up the NAEP, if you pull it, so it's the nation's report card, it's called NAEP, N-A-E-P. And uh, so if you pull that up, we're not 50th. It'll, I don't even remember what number it'll say we are at. So, but one, so at the back of Governor Yunkin and Amy Gadara's Our Commitment to Virginia Education, the Honesty Gap report put out in May, you, if you flip to the back in the appendices, it has charts that it, in his own report, because what the standards have dropped, they dropped them slowly. So the appearance that we are doing this across the nation, say it's 12th or 7th. Um, so by dropping the standards, yes, it looks like children are excelling. So every two years, the institution, the Institute of Education Sciences and NAEP do, um, they wrote, they map all 50 states. And so they sit and they literally quantify, you know, the standards. And so since we have dropped ours, once they equate ours to the rest to be level with the rest of the nation, we become 50th. And it's not even like proficient. We're the only state basic, which is like bottom of the barrel. And that is fourth grade reading, um, fourth grade math and eighth grade literacy because we have not done eighth grade math since 2007 um, assessments. So that would be all four um, for reading and literacy, so fourth and eighth grade, we are basic, 50th. And then in fourth grade reading, we are barely proficient, but still 50th. Well, that that's I, that is just stunning to me. And you know what? One of the things I always talk about is is this. And some of you, um, you know, know my background with uh, the recovery work that that I do. And one of the things that I, I talk about with people that I work with right now is, is this: because you you can equate you know pr- problems, and this is just how I look at problems, and it, and it sounds and like how you handle problems too. Is we, we we identify the problem when we know we know what the problem is, and what a lot of people do is sit around and point fingers and, and say this is how we got here. This is this is why this is a problem. And there's a certain point, and it's important to know why you have a problem and how you got there. That's important. Right. However, it's what's not important is dwelling on that that problem because you know once we figure out what the problem is, we got we have to figure out how to get out of that problem, and. Uh, you really so just very briefly tell us how did we get here 
but let's talk about how we're going to get out of here because, you know, myself running for the state legislature and others running for the state legislature, uh, as a team, we're going to have to address these issues and we're going to need a concrete plan to get out of that. So let's briefly talk about how did this happen? And then more importantly, let's talk about how we're going to get out of this, this mess. Well, how this happened is the standards of learning is if you look and, um, that's when, so from like 2009 on is when the drastic drop became, is that's when it's Virginia started to tank because being from Chesterfield, Chesterfield was top in the nation. When, I mean, I'm a product of Virginia public education. And so for me to look back and be like, we're what, like, it's just as, um, I mean, the, the, my, it blows my mind to think of us as 50th. Uh, so the standards of learning is when we switch from, and so, and that would be what a lot of people around the nation refer to as common core. So Virginia is being told that we did not have common core. People were trusting, accepted that and just moved forward. And while, meanwhile, the rest of the nation who, which is how I learned and started working with people that have like Utah and for common, you know, against common core, all of these people is starting to understand the language of our standards and then what they were fighting and looking to see that it was absolutely identical. The best example would be new math. And, uh, you know, um, have you seen, uh, have you had to do new math with a child? Um, so instead of adding or carrying the one, teaching children to round up and then add those to add round up to 10, round up to 10, but don't forget at the end when you get 20 that you have to go back and subtract the three and the two instead of just teaching arithmetic. And I, I, I can think back to my third grader and she brought this home. And I was like, what is this? Like, why aren't we teaching to carry the one? Like, and so so that would be an, a, you know, an example of, you know, standards of learning, common core math. And, you know, there's gr- people like Charlotte Iserbite and you know, that it's called the deliberate dumbing down of America. And is that the standards of learning are the problem. They are the root issue. And it is common core. You know, I have a Bob McDonald said in 2010 that. Virginia had developed its own standards of learning for 15 years. It's too late to go back and adopt the nations, but we will do everything to make sure that we align with the common core standards because it all ties back to Obama and the Every Student Succeeds Act. So as long as we're accepting federal money, which is like 8% usually, and if we don't take into account the COVID money from last year, uh, it's 8%. And so I tell, I, a lot of times I, the amount of freedom that it's not, it's not constitutional, first of all. Um, but the amount of freedom that we give away for 8% of funding, um, it, it, it astounds me, especially when we have to look at the blatant fact that our children are graduating, um, not able to ever live up to their full potential. And so the real issue is, because right now we're going through the history. Every seven years, they have to be revised. And so right now it's the battle over the history standards of learning. And everybody wants to argue about, you know, if they accidentally, you know, if they deleted a founding father or if they, you know, Martin Luther King or, you know, it's they're driving a race war and a culture war. And nobody's focusing on the root issue is that the standards of learning itself, um, because it, it's it's a place for teachers to reach but there's no roadmap to get there so and that's like a lot so with virginia is one of the only states that has zero textbooks which a lot of people are don't are astounded by because we've just become so accustomed to chromebooks you know it, it but talking is that we have zero textbooks um and so a textbook is essentially a roadmap for a teacher you know and every child gets the same textbook and so when a teacher doesn't have a roadmap or a curriculum and all they have is a standard, which would be the SOLs, they have to make sure that they meet all these SOL to get to, you know, teach to test. And so when you're teaching to test on certain, you have to meet these certain standards. You think about everything that you're losing, you know, in the middle. And that's when, and then when you have specifics teach, you know, 
specific things that you have to reach that are not, you know, educate, you know, academically founded, uh, you know, competencies, skills, things like that. Um, we're setting our children up for absolute failure and the numbers show it. And so at this point is what I tell people is that at this point we have been 50 so long and I'm talking, I mean, I've only gone back to 2017. Uh, this has been for so long that everybody, get, you know, where we want a new Republican Senate. We need a new Republican Senate. We need people that know these things so that when this stuff comes up, they can say, like you and like Mike Ollers and Matt Strickland and, you know, Amanda Chase, all these, they can say, um, we, what are we doing about this? Because we have enough evidence in front of us to say that this is not working. And that's really, you know, it, what we need, you know, our new people, because that's what Virginia really wants and needs right now, is people that are going to care about education and not just sign, you know, oh, that bill has an R next to it. I'm going to pass it. And that's really what go, tracking back legislation, the problem has been. And then me being who I am is I contact them and I say, do you know what you've done? And I, <laughs> the person running against Mike Ollers in the primary, you know, um, delegates across, you know, even beloved, you know, patriot delegates that everybody respects, they really have no idea what any of this has done or what it means. And, you know, they just say that, oh, okay, well, it's a Republican bill, um, then I'm going to vote yay for it. And we really have to get to the place to where we have to acknowledge that it is a bipartisan assault on education. And it has been for years, because as long as the left is getting their equity and their hypersexualization of children. Traditionally, everything that, say, the teachers unions would have been against, which would be, you know, st SOLs, uh, standards of learning, because there's no cookie cutter, as they say, um, approach to education. But that's when they tossed all that equity stuff. So they're happy getting that driven in. And then the rights agenda, um, I say the right loosely, but it's the right of center. Um, and it, this is not true constitutional conservatives that are in Virginia's General Assembly. I mean, there may be few and far between, but especially there's none that, and that's why, you know, I came to speak for Mike Ollers is that, that didn't understand education. And he was one of the first person people that was like, oh, absolutely. We've had Common Core this whole time, like 100%. Like, yeah. And you know what? And, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because. Uh, I've really given a thought about this lately. I'm, you know, I'm looking at my own race and, and certainly Mike's race. And when it comes to education, when it comes to law enforcement, when it comes to training, when it comes to all these things that make our community better, the the people that are running out there um, certainly are opponents on the Democrat side, but but even on the Republican side, really have no background in this. They have a lot of opinions. They have a lot of opinions about what 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 you should be doing in education and the standards, but they don't really have any experience in this. And we're the few candidates that, that do, that have been, you, I mean, you can talk, just take a police department, for example. You can talk about police departments and say they're systemically racist and the system is systemically racist and, and all these different things. But, but these people have never been in that. They've never worked in that system. They've never seen it with their own eyes. And more That's importantly, right. when we talk about fixing those systems where there are areas for improvement, they wouldn't know how to go about doing it anyway because they've they don't understand those systems and we do need of uh, people in not just the the virginia state senate but in the house of delegates that do understand these issues and that's i agree with you wholeheartedly because you know um we people keep forgetting what's the purpose of the outcome of education right now um you know particularly for the jobs because you've got to look at kids that down the road they're going to be doing a certain profession, like, right? They've even redefined like the purpose of education. Yeah, and that's that would be nationally. It's like the purpose of education is not to create global citizens. Number one, um, it is not to create a workforce for Virginia labor pool, and because that's not the definition of education excellence that I worked my butt off to get elected. And that's what we're living with right now is that and that's, you know, a different but that that's essentially what we're seeing is that when you see global citizenship, just thinking like we are a sovereign nation independent. And so 
global citizen global citizen education and it is so easy for anybody to look it up is it is um teaching our children not to be american citizens. i mean it's exactly as it sounds and it, it is is so far more nefarious <laughs> it's a different show for a different day but um is that so we have there is no acad true academics that is not the goal is to give children the foundation to be everything and anything that they strive to be they are literally and i call them cogs in a machine they are determining you know who who they need these children to be when they reach the age you know to get out of high to school and their lives are literally being predetermined for them and so when you look at scores that test things like math and it and reading and literacy, it, it shouldn't be a shock because they're not being taught these things. No. And, and ultimately, when you look at all of our children, but let me let me just take those that are going to into very specific career fields like the medical profession, engineering, mm -hmm. um, you know, the real the hard sciences and things like that. We have to be producing students in Virginia that are prepared for that. If you have a young kid that wants to go to medical school, nursing school, engineering school, architecture, you name it, those, those uh, biology, physiology, those things, the hard sciences, they need, ultimately our goal when our children are going up through the age of 18 and in high school is to prepare them for a very rigorous college and university experience, which is the next step. And I, I tell you, I talk to a lot of kids today that end up in the in the university system wanting to go into those fields and they realize I am utterly unprepared for this because mm -hmm. the the standards of just just take you know I'll, I'll take the easy one here medical school um, that's tough and yeah. you got to be ready for that and the school system needs to be prepared to uh, get our kids in Virginia prepared for that experience and that's our goal. It is yeah, not the, I don't know the percentage of Virginia students had that in the last 10 years that were entered college or universities in remedial math. Um, but it, I mean, it's astounding the amount of children and that's if they still want to go to college or if they, you know, can go to college. Um, because when we're at basic, you know, two months ago at the board of education, cause I go every month the man doing the from the institute of education sciences giving the most recent update on 2021 where we are still 50th um he said andrew rotherham who is one of youngkin's new appointees has said well can you can you define just you know for those listening proficient he was like well basic means you pretty much can't do anything it was literally the words out of his mouth and and so it's it, it's it's a huge problem um that because you think about it like so we do i mean in a world where we in reality that how do you i'm a math nerd i love calculus i love algebra i love you know figuring it out but if you've never been taught arithmetic if all you've ever been taught is to think critically and this is top-down learning is that they're teaching when you talk about critical thinking it's not after the facts it's before like they're literally teaching children to be critical thinkers in like when they're seven and eight years old. And that would be new math is the best example of that. Uh, analyzing the world's problems and how you can solve problem solving. So every word that we as like Americans have grown, we have to, you have to start questioning every single word because they've all been completely hijacked. Um, so when I, I have this conversation a lot with you know, people in office or running is that when you say critical thinking, what do you mean? You know, I ask the question because when you say it versus what it's actually in, what the practice in Virginia's public education system right now is that what you believe it to be, because that's what we were raised and we, I mean, common sense would tell us it should be versus what is actually going on is completely opposite. And I've had so many people look at me like. Oh my God. And I'm like, yes, is that like, you literally can't talk about education unless you know what you're talking about, especially when running for office or, you know, anything like that, because you're, you either don't know what you're talking about or you're part of the problem. It's kind of the conclusion that I've come to, but that's where I step in and I help that. Okay. This is what it actually is. And then people, I mean, they change their course or they don't. And that just kind of determines what, which side of the fence they fall on. Um, but I mean, and it is, it's, it's, it's a lot, but 
is that they're not, they don't want, and I'm not going to say they don't, but I mean, they don't want children to want to learn to love math is what it's really come down to. Um, because, you know, I was at a Orange County School Board meeting last month and they were introducing their strategic plan. And this company, Cambridge Associates, literally, he said 50 to 60 percent of jobs these children ha will have have not been created yet. So, you know, that's the it's one of those things that would probably go in one ear and out the other if you weren't like me knowing to listen for it. And so you have to start thinking, well, what are these jobs and who are you to determine what a child should be in like like in the future, what could happen? You're going to educate them, not for what is happening in the world today, um, but is that they're not being taught the facts, like to become, to learn, to want to be a doctor or want to be an engineer or anything like that because they don't have the foundation for it. And so then we have to start looking at what are these children's futures going to look like? Yeah, or in, you can extrapolate from that, what is the future for the nation? Exactly. You know, what is the future people, of the nation? Education, yeah. education is the one and is the because once these kids get out, it's like who's you can't ever reshape that. And that's, you know, America, you know, Western civilization is very new. Um, the destruction of it has been very easy because we don't have that rooted foundation like, you know, Eastern culture is. So there's, you know, the repetition of democracy is. The, they learn from, you know, prior generations and all it takes is the destruction of one generation, you know, and there's nobody to teach the ones coming after them. Oh, uh, we're pretty close to that now. <laughs> we are definitely no, we, close we to have, that now. No, I, I tell people, and this is, you know, my master's in geopolitical war history is I'm like, guys, we are literally like 1938 Germany right now. And that's just like, that's the sense of like, kind of like panic that I have some days is that like, we are look like peering over like the final solution of like, um, it just looks different than it did, you know, 80 years ago. But it's still, I mean, as I mean, dramatic is um, we are literally like teetering on yeah. um, where the fall of America. I mean, it, America is not once this generation is completed. Um, I mean, this the fate of America, unless something extremely, um, I mean, happened. I mean, then that's. I mean, we. we I, I say we probably have like a three, four year window and then i don't think that there's a point of, and we, we, we will be at the point of the return so now when you're, you're obviously pushing and advocating to get uh people that support this into office and this is vital and and i know a lot of people everybody is just so burned out of politics they just are but folks i i had uh, i believe it was gina crc came on this podcast one time and she had a line and i loved it and she said you know um, you do politics or politics is going to do you. And I, and I love yes. that line because it's so true. And nobody wants to get involved in politics, but yet everyone's affected by it. So right. with that being said, um, why is it important to get people that understand this into the state legislature? And then the next question is, what is it that you would expect legislators to do once they get there? Because it's one thing to run to get there, and it's another thing to get there. And then the reality sets in. And politics is ugly. Politics is not easy. And politics is politics, meaning there's a lot of give and take. But what is it driving forward? What is it that you would like legislators to, uh, to, to do once they get there? Well, so currently, so um, education transparency is in this moment with this Senate where we are. And I, I have a huge piece of legislation and it's it doesn't it's not a race war. It's not. And it's six pages. And all it is is Virginia law regarding education that nobody's following. And that includes, you know, opting out. Um, the mental health because parents have completely been, been obliterated. Um, it's like the right of a parent is like this fictitious. It's like the constitution and it's not a mythical unicorn. Like, is that I tell people is that they have made the water so muddy. It looks deep, but when you return to reason in the constitution is, um, education, it is not, it is unconstitutional for it to be federalized, which is what it has been. And so it's very important for people entering office when they get this stuff presented to them 
to do the research and to understand that if it's coming from the federal department like of education um if it's coming from washington miguel cardona whoever's there now uh they don't have a constitutional right and if you take continue to take the money and that's the you know is that you when you take the money you sign up you co-sign that you will do what they tell you to do and that's how we've gotten here is uh, you know and that's why the standards of learning and common core are the same thing is that we all they took the money for you know obamas and you know is that and then pushing back and saying, we're not going to take your money. And it is, you know, number one, because then you're literally signing, you know, signing a contract with the devil. Same thing with the COVID money we saw last year. Um, you know, the ARP money, um, ESSER money, is it came with direct stipulations. And we're now seeing that in every county, how it's um, driving home and, you know, the stuff that it's bringing in. But is, you know, we are... It is not, you know, the 10th Amendment is that education is not in. So it, it belongs to the state and it's really going to take powerful people. And I don't mean like in like money. I mean, like sitting in, in power, like people with power and like guts to push back. And it won't take many um, to say that this is absolutely unconstitutional. Um, our children should not be learning a federalized curriculum even if it were based on academics which it's not it's all based on feelings the constant um you know i mean emotions you know and you know social emotional learning is a like i said a different show for a different day but is they're talking to your children incessantly about their emotional health um and this is and this is why every parent should care is that I had an 11 year old who came home telling me that she had generalized anxiety disorder and needed to see a therapist. And I, and so that's when I started going through her Chromebook and seeing every, I mean, from English to math, to everything they're asking about her personal beliefs, her moral beliefs, uh, without parental consent. And so it's, um, we have to start acknowledging there are laws to protect children and parents from this. And, um, but I mean, the most important thing, like we talked about, but parents have got to be aware. And I don't, I'm like you, I don't like to just throw out a whole bunch of, I'm going to freak you out and I'm going to leave, you know, is that, so, you know, education transparency currently um, and forcing school boards to do what the law says. And that's in Virginia. That's not even, there is a little bit of federal law, but it's Virginia law is what you have to do. You don't get to delete parents um because it makes your life more complicated um and there's law regarding how you you have to have affirmative parental consent not this myth in loco parentis that obama brought in um where schools can give because the parents don't know schools can give parental consent and that would be part of you know ferpa um that would be obama who um completely rewrote whereas 10 years ago parental consent would be affirmative parental consent like literal like from a parent or a guardian but they rewrote it so that schools can give parental children can even give parental consent um so for all this mental health stuff people say well how is that legal well because hipaa went out the window when they gave schools the ability to give parental consent um and so you know it's knowing these things and then it's like but there are opt-outs, but it requires per parents to one know about it. Yeah, I, I was so, going to say you can't you can't opt out if you don't know that they're doing this in the first place. Correct, which is why you know there's a law, and this would be the Protection of People Rights Amendment, which is federal. But then you also have you know if you look up instructional materials in the Code of Virginia, any parent can ask their school for their child's curriculum, and they're going to push back and this so i fought this fought last year i learned all this one my first hand um and so that's kind of like how i started to understand the law and um forcing and so i worked all summer and chesterfield sent sixty thousand children um their parents opt-outs for you know they're doing behavior screeners on children um and that that those numbers are the scary ones because those are the ones that are determining like when we talk about like personalized learning, um, but they're it's assessing like 
their cog their non-cognitive you know like how malleable they're going to be to shaping the future that they want so it's the behavior screeners and all this stuff sits if you look at it's in the library of virginia 75 years post-graduation so it's literally china social credit score um and it becomes generational because if it sits this data sits there for 75 years then like my grandchildren will then inherit my my children my daughter's data and they will be born into a you know it, it and that's how bad it is but again with the data there are opt-outs um you know the virginia consumer data protection act is coming up into effect on january in two weeks it, on you know january 1st and we have an attorney general who's the only policer of that not a i've been screaming about it for six months now and i can't get anybody to talk about it and it would require it protects all Virginia consumers, but especially children are consumers of educational software and it would require opt in, not parents having to know that they can opt out, but I can't get, and that's another, I can't get anybody to talk. What is he doing about this? It's, you know, since the GDPR, you know, Europe's big data protection. I mean, it's one of the most comprehensive and especially in the United States since California. And people, um, the left and the right, nobody's talking about it. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's so it's, you know, knowing that the law is there is first and foremost. And then it has to be transparent until we can change, like, the actual root issue. Because, and but as a parent who trusted the public school system for years, and I was astounded, like I said, a year ago, when I was like, what is, oh my God. And then it became, is that... If you don't know what's going on, how are you going to opt your child out? And that's why education transparency has to be like front and center until we can actually get to the root issue, um, which would require getting the right people in the right place. But is that transparency? And it, it has to be at first in the for forefront. Of, you don't have a book to look at anymore. Like you can't opt your not even special ed like special education children. Their parents cannot even have a provision for like a book. Their children have to stare at it. There's you, there's no way to not be in a Chromebook in the state of Virginia. And then, so you don't have papers coming home anymore, like to look at, to see your children's grades. And so it's been a slow progression of parents just becoming, you know, numb to it too. They just, okay, well, I'm, oh, their grades are this. We'll get them every four, you know, nine weeks. Oh, they're doing great. Okay. And then, you know, is that, we don't have books to look at for curriculum anymore. And then when you ask for the curriculum, you're told no. And it, which is a lie. Uh, and that we're just trusting our children inside of these machines. And so it's like, I have to remind people what it was like when you got a folder of papers home and you could see the A plus or the, you know, and see what your child was learning. It's not like that now. And um, no, and I'll tell you, it, it's, for, for a lot of people that listen to this podcast know that I after I retired from the FBI, I went back to school and got another graduate degree in addictions and co-occurring disorders. And um, it was a great experience, and, and it led me to the position where I can help a lot of people that are suffering from mm -hmm. addiction now. But the reason why I mention this is that was my first foray back into the academic world uh, since uh, well, my last degree was in 96, right? So from 96 to the, to now – um, I'd been out of the academic world personally, and then I went back in, and everything that you're talking about, you know, hit was hitting me between the the, the eyes in my own program. Where you know, again, the, the degree was addictions and co-occurring disorders, and I. But I will tell you, it what really shocked me was how much time was spent on social issues and um, really That's just all like it is now. current That's like. I, I'm, and I would ask myself, like, okay, what does this have to do with what we're supposed to be studying here? But it was, and I think it's important for, for people, or Virginians, to understand that education and the way that people approach education now, it really is more about let's define social issues as opposed to Correct. the academic issues. And I experienced that firsthand. It, it, it aligns with everything that you're saying right now is, is why I'm mentioning it's about, this. I mean, it, and it's like, I was on, I mean, I kind of, I got up in front of the board of education and because they were kept talking about, you know, the feel, the feel, the transgender children with the children and, you know, gender dysphoria or 
is that their feelings. And I got up and I was like, I'm sorry, it's called the Bill of Rights, not the Bill of Feelings. And it kind of got like a shock across the nation. Like it went very like, and then I said, my, my parental rights do not stop where your feelings begin. And that's really where we have to concentrate on is that they are talking about feelings. And so you talk about like, so morals, values, and beliefs, and this is at a global and, and but a national level. And it's the same across this different, all the different states. But my, I mean, even if you were to just worry about the state of Virginia teaching the same set of five competencies, morals, values, and beliefs to all children without parental knowledge. And it's not the same morals, values, and beliefs that you probably teach at your house. And that's, you know, is that it, it's so introspective. It is all about feelings. There's no facts involved anymore. Like even history isn't fact-based anymore. It's all about, well, let's examine, you know, both sides. Let's look at, there's no facts. Like Literally in history standards currently that are like nobody's the villain, nobody's evil, nobody's the villain. Everybody has a side to the story and it's all about feelings. And I mean, it's no wonder that people, when you talk about what human, like actual human rights are, um, everybody thinks that they have a right to everything. No, I'm sorry, but that's not the way it works. Is but they're not teaching. Is that yes? It's going to be the destruction of America because children don't even know what the Constitution is. They don't know what a right, actual the Bill of Rights or the, what the Declaration of Independence says. Like, um, and that stuff is not being taught for a reason. And why? Why those documents? Uh, somebody decided that there was a need for such documents in the first place. You know why? Why is that such a big deal that our founding fathers created the the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution? Uh, wh- why is that a big deal? Like they don't they don't understand that. And why is the United States unique compared to the rest of the world? And they're not they're not learning those. And and I agree with you. We've gotten to the point to where you see history should be about. What happened? Good, bad, ugly, history, you name it. Like, it. History. It's not, it's like, even now. It's, now, it's now why it happened and the morality of it, you teach that no. elsewhere, right? Yes. But in a classroom, it is, this is what happened, period. This right. is what happened. Yes. The good, the bad, the ugly. And like, it, you know, I, I get so tired. I sat in the last board of education. I listened to the, you know, NAACP and the ACLU and everybody was so angry because they're, you know, their history of where they came from wasn't appropriately. Meanwhile, we have Virginia's history. I mean, AP Hill just got removed. Like, you know, and I work closely with, I mean, people in every aspect of, but as a patriot and actual constitutional conservative and not, not even like a Republican, but it's not like the constitution. And I believe in America is that we're sitting here watching our history. Now the foundation, you know, Hitler, Stalin, um, you know, Mao, we can, I mean, you, you look at, we have a hundred years of history that started with the obliteration of the, of the nation. And then you add the, you know, hypersexualization of children and it all just kind of, it, it, hello, we have a literal playbook and we know how it ends every single time. Right. Um, and the reason why we need to know that these people existed, because it's important for us to know who they were and they, what they represented so we don't repeat that again because yes. you have to know who Adolf Hitler was you have to know who Stalin was you have to know who Mao is you, even the, the people in the confederacy and I'm not defending I, I think we need to know who they are to make sure we don't do that again you know who but is this, this is person what, and what know, did they represent I said why, where in here does it state that the democrats owned the slaves and the republicans freed the slaves because like, I wasn't even taught that. It wasn't until I watched the documentary Uncle Tom, you know, with um, Larry Elder and, um, you know, Thomas Sowell and all them that I learned that at 40 years old. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying, but it's like that would completely screw up their narrative. Um, yeah, because the Democrat Party was the party of slavery. The Republican correct. Party was created to end slavery, and people forget yes. that. Now, I know I hear this argument all the time where the Republican Party has changed. Uh, actually, no, it hasn't. It hasn't. Uh, the Democrats, if they had their way, the Civil Rights Acts would have never passed. Um, and then you come in in modern times, uh, minorities always do well, better uh, in, in society when Republicans are in charge. Their, their socioeconomic status increases every time. And this, this if you're a minority, the Democrat Party is not your party. They, no. That is not their party. The only known Klan member in the U.S. Senate 
was a Democrat. The, yeah. the KKK was founded by Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, who was a Democrat and was a Confederate, for example. You know, but people don't know that. Yes, but in, in what I live with is being an educated white woman. Um, and I hate, I was raised that you don't acknowledge people by the color of their skin. Is exactly. That, that now makes you racist. Unless you constantly acknowledge, you know, people for what they look like or what their ethnicity is, which is not what Martin Luther King and equality fought for, um, is that it's literally what we're seeing. And, um, and uh, is that I, I would guess that in a couple of years, there's going to be a demand for, um, wanting their own bathrooms back i mean and this is i'm not saying that this is like the whole but the people the activists that are driving all this policy is that's the lunat that's the lunacy that we're going to see right um we 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 fought for years and by the way republicans fought for years to desegregate everything and they're pushing to resegregate everything correct Uh, it's insane to me and and it's and it's looking at people's skin. It's looking at instead of the content of their character, it is looking at their skin. And uh, I know, as being a Caucasian male from law enforcement, I've been told I'm racist because I'm a, ca- a Caucasian male who spent a career in law enforcement. Uh, has nothing to do with me with being an, as right. an individual. It is just I was born with a skin color. By the way, I had right. no control over and. Nobody asked my opinion, but but all I know is I've devoted my entire life to serving this nation and the community um, at great risk, by the way, to my health and safety. And uh, I'll do another podcast sometime talking about how it affected my health. Devoted my life to this country just to be told by the people I was serving that somehow I'm racist because I'm a Caucasian male in that profession. It's insane. It's insane. And we, we have to stop this. We have yeah, to I mean, stop and that's, this. I mean, and so people talk about critical race theory is not made. Yes, it absolutely is being taught in school with equity because when you, the second that you have oppressor oppressed, you have critical race theory. And so because they dressed it up with this word equity, which is give more to the child who needs it. Well, they're not assessed. It's done by skin color. And the, the, I mean, you can look at any division. You can they have the kids on the little milk crates. And so the assumption of that the short, short child is born short, and that, so that would be, you know, children of color, minorities, and that the tall child is born tall, which, like you said, is that, and so that is critical race theory, is that you are born signing a um, contract into your white, you know, greatness just simply by being born white. And that is critical race theory, and so it is being taught 100%. And you. Um, but because we have to start understanding what you know critical critical race theory is um and because it is an actual curriculum is that we can't refer to it to the, as that so you have to know what you're talking about i mean it's it's absolutely crazy um but that's i mean what i mean we had an eighth grade civics assignment in chesterfield county in all of our schools um that asked to what level not even if it existed but to what level um do white children have more advantage over black children like an eighth grade civics assignment and i'm like you people have lost your minds this is like it is verbatim like this is critical race theory and i don't like saying that because a lot of times you have to dance around it but right here this is what it is and that's opposed that's opposed to um really ensuring the best education for all of our children all of our children. Yes. And, and I, it I, needs I to be there. And then ultimately what happens is when it's presented you, and I can tell you that in, in the Virginia State Senate, I will be pushing for the, the best education in this nation for every Virginian. And what you do with it, there's a point at this where it's in front of you and you take it or you, you don't take it, right? Correct. And, yes. and I will tell you these things that it are being pushed right now are hurting Ironically, the very people that they say that they're claiming to help. For example, Amen. And I, I will get my white privileges showing it's your white when I say that the children you say you are serving by pushing them through, which is what they're doing with equity. Yeah. Because you you can never have, you know, that you can never have equal outcomes, like you just said. You can give them everything they need and then what they do with it. Is up you to can them. never have equal outcomes unless you push them through. And that's like when Divisions have to stop talking about graduation rate. 
Like you, okay, so they got a diploma and you got them out of high school. What is their education look like? You know, we have, we have to start praising schools because their graduation rate is wonderful. If they're, they haven't learned anything, you know, is because it hurts people because then you somehow end up in a college program and, and you can't function. And, I, and I'll tell you, the other thing is that, you know, people, and this is a, a, another topic, but it, it applies to education as well. And that is, you know, we've defunded the police. We've really attacked the police. But um, ironically, who suffered the most? What community suffered the most under defunding the police? Minorities. It, absolutely. By, by far. Uh, you know, know, so it, it, I call it education welfare. Yeah. You know, let's keep giving you welfare to keep you where you are. And so that you never, it's like Uncle Tom, I can, you know, and I don't know if you've seen the second one or the first one, but it's like this, this, um, you know, he had grown up, you know, in, you know, Section 8 housing. And um, he said that it wasn't until, you know, he started to understand this, that he realized that he never knew that he had could live a different life right. um, because you get handed stuff and handed it and ha- you never know that what it's like to live a different life. And so it's literally education welfare is that they're giving them the bare minimum to make, and then they may, they fluff it up and make it seem like, um, you know, just like, well, we're taking care of them. They need it. They're historically marginalized. And I'm like, and I, I said, you can, which is a form of racism was, in my, my opinion. When, it it when you, is. I mean, no one race owns the word racism. And I've gotten to this word is that, you can be racist against white people like it didn't you know it's like the word segregation does not belong to one you know group of people and that was a different battle on a on, about unmasking is we were told that how dare we use the word segregation or like is that it is it absolutely is um they are giving they say giving more um to the children who need it but it's strictly done by skin color and then what i tell people is that show me one child who has ever prospered under equity and they can't do it because I've had teachers come through and they, they're literally not allowed to fail children. Yeah. Children do not learn repercussions for their actions. There's no discipline. Um, so what kind of children are you really serving when you teach children that their behavior, their behavior is not their fault. It's society's. Right. How is that going to serve any child as an adult when they get out in the real world? You know, and then uh, our our community suffers. You know, I, I actually met a man uh, a week, a week ago that we were talking and it, he couldn't read. And, yeah. um, and I, f- I found out and he, f- he was very self-conscious about it. And he said to me, the rate is like it is for a reason. Well, and he told me, he goes, he says, but Mike, I actually have a high school diploma. And the, the, uh-huh. this gentleman actually said to me, <sighs> he said, I don't know how in the world he said, I don't know how I got a, a high school diploma, but Mike, mm-hmm. I, I can't read. He oh told me God. this, and I just, and that's not, I mean, even he was like, how did this, how did this happen that I get, I got a high school diploma, and we can't have that, because it doesn't help. Now, we need to do everything that we can to help people succeed, to help them succeed, but it is a disservice then to give them something. And yeah, that's and why accountability. I think that your, your understanding, because your understanding of law enforcement, and then an understanding of education, and so what they've done is they've said, so, you know, discipline is now racist. And so no child is getting to, I could not even opt my child in to discipline. And I want right. her to have consequences for her actions because I've been clean for 15 years. And when children don't know that there's consequences for their actions, it creates ex- like, and at 10, 11 years old, I was like, can you, can my daughter one, there's no due dates for anything. That's a problem. Yeah. And there's no discipline. And they say that that's helping children. No, and I'm not. like, no. And so your understanding of law enforcement in the Senate, because all this stuff that's passed in the last couple of years, that, you know, it, it, there's no, oh, God, I'm, I can't go to the principal's office. There's no fear in children. It's, I mean, and so then the beha- you look at the, the behavior in high school. Like, how did we get here? Well, um, by letting them be tiny adults and protest, and there's no consequences for their actions. And they can do whatever they want and then stroll back in class and there's no due dates. And like, what kind of humans are we at? Like, and then, and then they get into the workforce and they question the boss. They question mm-hmm. um, discipline in the workplace. You know, no is not no. And oh, it creates all kinds of problems. And uh, then they become the bosses and then there goes America out the door. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, Anne, I have really enjoyed talking with you, and we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back on because there's so many aspects that that we need to talk about and folks yeah. we need to we need to get people in office that understand these things but you know Anna's a real warrior uh hence the name uh virginia <laughs> warrior mom but so Anne, if ever anybody out there wants to get hold of you or check out some more of your work um give, get us your social media you know how can people reach out and, and talk to you or at least see some of the work oh, that okay. you do well i mean so we have um a website which is amazing it's got um I mean, all the different across the nation, you know, um, you know, if you want to watch me speak about, you know, Virginia education with people who have been fighting it across the nation, um, our website, v, so it's vafcf.org, or you can type out Virginians for Children First, um, and then that'll link you to, you know, our YouTube channel, which I break down, you know, sometimes midnight, like something I need to show people this and I don't do it because I need, I want followers or anything like that. I do it because I want people to have access to the information. There's a, you know, a data man, like we have a data privacy manual, like how you can opt out, um, all this stuff that this legislation will hopefully solve, um, you know, your rights as a parent regarding, you know, all this I mean, unfettered access to your child's mental health in school, how to opt them out, how to advocate for your child, you know, questions to ask your school board regarding, I mean, we've put together an immense amount of resources so that we're not only giving a problem, but how parents can start to advocate for their own children. Um, Yeah. And then, I mean, you can, I'm on social media. um, Let's see. uh, It's at Tatus. Ann on Twitter because um, my other Twitter um, is locked down because I refuse to concede that the word groomer is hate speech and that's post Elon. Um, So um, I'm on another one. Uh, So that's where you can find me now, but usually I'm on Facebook and it's public. You can just look up Ann Craft, C-R-A-F-T, Tatus, T-A-Y-D-U-S. And my page is full in public and um, it's all and we're also on Facebook, Virginians for Children's First, as a page. Um, but, I mean, we're kind of everywhere. And yeah. anybody that wants more information, like what I do, I travel the state. And if you want to get 10 moms or 10 dads together who want to carry the message and understand, like, I, that's how I met my squad in Orange. That's how I met Mike Ellers. That's, you know, I've, you know, worked. Up that's how you met me. <laughs> yeah. you met me. Literally, like, it's like, a, it was my calling and it wasn't a conference call for anybody else to understand. But when I have, and like, if you have people that want to understand, I will come to you. Like, and I don't charge. And it's like, um, it just, I just am that passionate is that uh-huh. um, it's just, you know, like getting the message out there. So, I mean, it's that, I spend most of my day on the phone with parents, helping them, teaching, helping them learn how to advocate for their, in what to do and what your school told you. Okay, well, this is, this is what you tell them in return. Like, so, you know, is that because everybody really needs to, you know, Mm -hmm. start thinking about what are you putting your child in for eight hours a day? What are you trusting? We do. And again, I enjoy it. And now you said that your Twitter, it's at, and what is it again? At? It's, so it's Tatus, T A Y D U S, A N N E. Tatus and then Ann. And that's at Tatus Ann. And that's the new Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. My old one, at Domestic Tara, which was like my, that was my Warrior Mom account. They decided, you know, this is post Elon's big everybody's free twitter um but yeah they um because part of my story too is as i'm a survivor of child sex abuse through grooming from six to ten years old and i will never and i know it when i see it and um that's just one thing that i will never um concede that that is hate speech in the world that we live in no somebody and actually you so, know what i tell you what we, we're gonna have to do a podcast on that because that's an important subject it really it is. extremely is because yeah, yeah no it, i mean it, and so it we'll have you back for that one let me hear yeah but yeah it's extremely important you know especially with you know child sex trafficking and cps and now they have we have 
social workers in our schools and they're wanting to do teacher home visits and then all that stuff is very important yeah so we'll like, we'll do that <laughs> we will definitely do that there yes. is so much to talk about there is, and yeah, we, we and we will we definitely <laughs> will but the important thing is folks um we got to get we got to get people in the state legislature to yes. to combat all this and Anne's a warrior for that and so do you understand that uh you know i know we're a year out from the the election in the virginia uh state house but it'll be here before you know it and some of the folks actually do have uh, their primaries coming up in march our good friend mike allers is is one of those people but do keep in mind and also keep in mind that we need your support we absolutely need your support and uh, listen if it's in your heart if you can help us if you have the ability please help us financially because it, it takes money and these people let me tell you something the democrats are putting a lot of money into this and none of us are going to have the money that they have but we we have what they don't and that is the ideas that are good for the commonwealth and good for the nation and and thank you again for coming on the show and Thanks. folks as always uh thank you again for you know just coming here and you know, just supporting us as we talk about our freedoms, our liberties, the Constitution, and that's that's the way this nation was founded, and that's what we need to comply with. And we will see all of you next time here on the Mike Van Meter Show. You take care of yourselves and talk with you soon. Take care. <laughs>